Hey, geeks and geekettes, Sly Smith and Retin X5 here. Do you know all the ways you can geek out with Geekin? You can search for Geekin Podcast and Blog on iTunes and the Stitcher app. You can always visit the blog for direct podcast download, post to our forum, and talk on the on-site chat room. And as always, you can find Geekin Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And now, on with the show. Hey, geeks and geekettes, this is Sly Smith. And I'm Retin X5, and you're listening to the Geekin Podcast. Welcome to Geekin' on San Diego Comic-Con, Everything Else Edition, recorded on August 3rd, 2014. Mm. It's difficult when you're the one doing the intro, isn't it? All that pressure's on you. You have to set the tone for the podcast. That's right. If I stutter or mumble or anything, it just ruins the whole rest of the pod. Or if you got a fucking frog in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like in our last podcast... We give you, you know, some people give you surround sound. We give you rural sound. <laughs> <laughs> Listening back on it, it almost sounds like he was arguing with me. Every time I spoke, he'd have to say something. <laughs> Crazy. Well, this is our uh, our everything else edition. We've covered uh, the big news out of Marvel, the big news out of DC. There were a few other uh, bits and pieces of news that came out of Comic-Con that weren't related to the big two. Some of them aren't even directly comic book related. So we wanted to have sort of a little wrap-up issue to cover that. Uh, This is probably going to be one of our shorter episodes, but of course I'm probably cursing us by saying that, and we'll end up going for two hours over, you know, (laughs) over probably over just Kevin Smith's Tusk trailer. Um, But no, we'll probably have a pretty short and sweet uh, episode here. Uh, Before we get started into the TV and movie stuff, do do you remember hearing any... Uh, independent comic book news out of San Diego Comic-Con? I didn't, but like like I told you in the previous ones, I sort of was out of the loop and only following a few things on Twitter. That was one of the reasons I wanted to do this Everything Else edition, was because you're so tuned in not only with Comic-Con, but you're, you are the big independent comic promoter on Geekin. You know, you're always updating the Facebook page, you're always updating the Twitter page with news of creator-owned comics. So I was kind of hoping that you would say, oh, yes, there was all this great creator-owned comic book news to come out of San Diego. So what I'm assuming is there really wasn't much. There really wasn't. Um, no big announcements that made the news. Um, none of the uh, stuff, the people that I follow, it was really the, the smaller companies and, and independent creators were more just like, come buy my stuff, pay attention to me. Mm. <laughs> More than they were big announcements. So um, I really can't think of anything huge. I think it's sadly, you know, a big announcement for an independent comic is, hey, we're going to keep publishing our comic. You know, that's sort of the big announcements nowadays because they're just getting, you know, the big two are just dominating the market. And certainly when it comes to things like Comic-Con. I mean, Comic-Con is a wonderful event for us geeks. It's a wonderful event for fans of comic books and, and genre entertainment in general. But it's it's corporate. I mean, Comic-Con really is the New York and L.A. Hollywood news story of the year. Um, you used to hear stories about independent creators going to Comic-Con and having big events. But it's kind of hard for them to compete when you're bringing out, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Ben Affleck and people like that. It's hard to get people to come to your booth let alone how much I, I can't even imagine what a booth costs at Comic-Con. Uh, it's got to be kind of, you know, when you're having comic book creators who are struggling just to pay for the publication of their comic, um, whatever it costs aside from airfare and hotels, but those booth costs on top of that, that money could be better spent just making sure additional comic books are getting published. That's true. Uh, they did some wonderful panels, uh, and they, they had a lot of people there, but really – it was more – the independents were more celebrating being there mm-hmm. and, and their, their current stuff than they were really trying to push anything new like Marvel and DC do. Which is good. So. I mean it, it, they need um, 
the attention. So if they can, if if Marvel and DC can get people in the door, you know, if Robert Downey Jr. and and the other celebrities can get people in the door, then you know that's fine. As long as they're in the door, maybe they'll walk by the folks, you know, pushing, not pushing. That makes them sound like drug dealers, but uh, you know, people offering their uh, their you know their independent comics or creator own comics. You know, let's hope that some of those people who went there to see the big name celebrities. Uh, might have went home with uh, some comics, some uh, independent comics that they read on the plane ride back home, and will hopefully uh, pick them up and buy them, you know, support them. Absolutely, and I have to mention them because I haven't done it in several podcasts now, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I really pay attention to and stalk everybody at, at Top Cow Comics. We need the Top oh. Cow music at this point. Ka-ching, move! <laughs> there, there was a a deal that they did that I would have loved to have gotten in on. It was a $200, I believe it was $200, uh, VIP package where Matt Hawkins, uh, the COO for, for Top Cow, mm-hmm. did a, a little seminar and would actually sit down with you and help you with your comic book scripts and what to change on it and how to submit it. And then you also got to schedule two other 30-minute Skype phone calls where you went back over the changes that you did for him and, and talk some more about it, which would have just been awesome to get to sit down and do. Oh, of course. Yeah, that sounds great. But the rest of the news was really all TV and movie stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some uh, some Game of Thrones news, which I'm going – before we get into that, I'm going to admit I've fallen behind on season four. Oh. Uh, between getting married and the honeymoon and then moving – and now my wife is absolutely hooked on Battlestar Galactica, and we've been watching several episodes of that every night. Uh, I haven't – I'm not up to date on the show. I'm, I've read the book, so I basically know what happens. So don't worry about spoiling me with anything. Um, but I'm not – I'm about halfway through season four and then sort of stopped it. I'm going to try and catch up. But this is now starting to get to be the busy TV time for me because one of my other favorite shows, Hell on Wheels – came back on this weekend. So I'm going to have to find some, some time to squeeze in the, uh, the second half of season four of game of Thrones, because I do really enjoy that show. Game of Thrones is one of those shows that when I get it behind on it, I'll, I'll stay behind until I see the next episode. And then I watch them all at once because I was like, Holy crap. I forgot how awesome this show is. I have to watch them all. (laughs) I, that's exactly what happened to me because I watched the first season when it, when it aired. Um, and that was when I was going to college and then I just sort of let it slide. I let seasons two and three slide. And then I watched them over the course of about a week and a half. You know, I watched seasons two and three over the course of a week and a half. And that show is a great binge show. Oh yeah. You know, it's a great show just to sort of kill an entire day watching, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday, just spend six, seven hours watching it. Um, and I'm sure that's what I'll do. I'll end up finding a weekend afternoon and finish up season four. Um, because I've got all of them, I made sure that I, that I got the episodes. But I, uh, you know, I didn't. I just haven't had a chance to watch them. But season five, I believe, is already in production now, and they've had some big casting announcements. But before we get to that, there was a little bit of behind-the-scenes news uh, that we heard. This didn't come out of Comic Con like the rest of the Game of Thrones news did, but it was mentioned right after and. Well, we're just going to fold it in here. George R. R. Martin has always penned one episode of each season. Usually it's one of the bigger episodes. Uh, he announced, I believe it was over um, on his, one, of the, one of the websites. I believe it was on his website because he doesn't have a Facebook page. He doesn't have a Twitter. He's one of those people. <laughs> uh, but on his official website, uh, he announced that he is not going to write any episodes in season five, he needs to concentrate on the current game, the current Song of Ice and Fire book that he's working on. You know, if those of us who've been fans of this for a long time, I believe the first book was published in the mid nineties. He's not the fastest writer. Uh, and there's a legitimate fear out there that the show is going to pass him. You know, that they're working on material from books four and five right now for the fifth season. Uh, that's as many books that are out there right now. There's only five books. Uh, he's wor- working on the sixth book now. Um, I'm not too worried about that because the stuff they've picked from season f- or from book five 
is are only a few things. The bulk of their material is still coming from book three and book four, and they have some some stuff to mine before they have to start worrying. But it's a bit concerning that even Martin himself is saying, "Yeah, I need to concentrate on the book at this point." <laughs> some of the casting news was uh, exciting. Some of these actors I'm really really interested in. So. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, the one that jumped out at me is Alexander Siddig is joining the show as uh, Doran Mar- uh, as Doran Martell, uh, one of the the Martells, and of course that's a big story in season four, where the, uh, the you know the rise of the Martells and, and such. Um, I'm a huge fan of Alexander Siddig. I remember when he was Siddig El Fadil, you know, before he changed his name. Uh, uh-huh. Those uh, Star Trek fans and anyone who knows my handle, you know, knows I'm a Star Trek fan. Uh, he played Dr. Bashir on my favorite Star Trek show, Deep Space Nine. Yes, I'm one of those. I'm <laughs> a Niner. Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek show. I will I will fight anyone over that. And if anybody who says it's a cheap knockoff of Babylon 5 is going to get bitch slapped. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, I, I really liked uh, um, Dr. Bashir. He was one of my favorite characters. Uh, and I just love seeing uh, actors from shows that I've enjoyed um, continuing to pop up on other shows. It's it's a it's a silly thing I know, but it's just sort of um, it's just nice to see them. It's like seeing an old friend. Absolutely, yeah. I actually got to meet Alexander Siddig once. Oh, you uh, did the, very briefly. Uh, but uh, yeah, great guy. I I too loved Deep Space Nine. Oh, good. I <laughs> like friendship. I don't breaker. know. I don't know if it's my favorite. It's 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 up there. I think it's on par with uh, the Next Generation. Yeah, my my wife and I have talked about Next Generation a bit because she she's a big fan of that. I think I just OD'd on Next Generation. I think uh-huh. I, I watched it too much. I used to tape it. If you remember, folks, there used to be these things called video cassettes. You know, VHSs, VCRs, and I used to videotape. Uh, you know, tape them off of uh, TV. And I would just watch them over the summer. And I think I just got to a point where I watched every episode too much when I was a kid. Because, you know, it was before the internet. Um, you know, when you're a, a geek, there's just not a lot of places you can go. You can turn to comic books and you can turn to your Star Trek videotapes. That's right. All you have. And I just sort of OD'd on them. I've, I've, I've been watching some of the Next Generation episodes as they've been coming out on Blu-ray. And they look spectacular, by the way, on Blu-ray. But uh, I just – even watching them on Blu-ray, I'm sitting there going, yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch this again for a while. Good episode, but doesn't really get to me that much. On the other hand, I do watch DS9 fairly regularly. You know, Every couple of years, I'll, I'll pop them in and, and watch them. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a great show. It takes a few seasons to get going, probably by season three and definitely by season four. Uh, DS9 really hit its peak. We'll have to do like a sci-fi series one week. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Just sort of like yeah. do a little breakdown. Yeah. Our favorite TV shows and movies. We're already talking uh, about uh, sometime soon doing a Marvel Cinematic Universe Top 10 podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been looking. I, I was up late last night. I had some trouble sleeping, and I was actually starting to assemble my list. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be coming out fairly soon. Any other names pop out on you on this uh, Game of Thrones? Uh, well, I see that Jonathan Price is going to be joining the show as uh, the High Sparrow, High Septon of the Faith. Um, he's a great actor. Uh, he's one of those actors who you can't really say, oh, yeah, Jonathan Price. But once you see him, you're like, oh, yeah. He's one of those great character actors who's just been in everything. That's one of the other names that popped out of me was uh, Keisha Castle-Hughes. Uh, she uh, was in a film several years ago. Um She's been in a few independent films. Uh, very good actress. I believe she was in a movie about Mary uh, a couple years back, shortly after uh, Passion of the Christ made all that money. Suddenly all the studios were like, let's look, make religious movies. And they made one about Mary as a teenager, and she was in that. And she was quite good. She's a very, very good actress. I believe she may have even been nominated for an Academy Award when she was a kid. So very, so a really talented actress. As always, I mean, the casting on this show is just excellent. Uh, whether it's a big name player they bring in, like a Sean Bean, or if it's uh, somebody we've never even heard of before Game of Thrones, uh, it's like whatever whoever they bring in, 
because definitely they 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 can handle it. They have a very good casting director on this show. Absolutely. One of the things I, I noticed going through here is they're bringing in a lot of Saiyans. Yeah, that's that's going to be happening because as the books move forward, that they become big big players. And it's sort of controversial because there's a lot of readers of the books who don't care for those characters because that those areas of the book are amongst the most fantasy oriented of the series in the sense of sort of the, you know, Roger Zelazny style of fantasy. Um, You know, most of the Game of Thrones books, you have certainly dragons and magic, but they've got a nice medieval kind of feel to them. Right. Almost like Excalibur, you know, a little bit of magic, but still sort of very earthy, medieval Arthurian kind of thing to it. Um, the exception has always been the Danny storyline in the East and then the uh, Martells and the Sand Snakes uh, down in the South. And as the story shifts down there, it's almost as if Martin really wants to sort of, you know, flex his fantasy muscles a little bit. Um, but there's a lot of people who know that that story needs to be told because a lot of stuff is going to be impacting uh the show and and the the later books are very heavily influenced by the Martells. Before we move on to the next subject, I want to say very briefly: uh, Have you read any of the Wild Card books? I have not. I know that you were starting to read them. I picked up one. Just, oh, you picked just, up one. Okay. Uh, yeah, just on a whim. I was at the library with the kids. We were picking out books, and I. We looked up, and on the cover was George R. R. Martin's name in big, bold letters. Mm-hmm. And so I picked it up, and he only edited it, but it's a, a world he created. Mm-hmm. I've heard a great deal about it. I've just never actually picked up any of the books. It was great. It was this uh, kind of a crime drama that was had this wonderful fantasy twist to it and uh, had several different writers, and I loved all the different styles. And one of the, uh, the writers used to, was uh, wrote a few episodes of Doctor Who and – so I, I just really, really enjoyed it, and I, I read that book faster than I probably read a book in a very long time. It was really, really good. Oh, so. I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking for it then. I, I mean, I've heard good things. Certainly a fan of uh, Martin's writing. Um, I picked up Game of Thrones back in about ni- late 90s on a whim just because, to be honest, I thought the cover looked interesting. <laughs> I have to say it, but I literally judged the book by a cover. Um, read it and absolutely fell in love with it. And I've been reading his books ever since then. Uh, but the wild cards books had always been one of those things where, well, let me ask you a question. Which book did you pick up? Was it-, it was called Fort Freak and it's actually a pretty newer one. See, that's the thing. I'm so OCD that part of me is like, well, I have to read the first one. Um, and I've had a hard time finding the first one. In fact, the first several books have been out of print. I believe just a couple years ago, they were, um, uh, starting to be published again by a different publisher. Martin got the rights back and uh, sent them off to a, a new, you know, sold them to a new publisher. So they were just coming back into print. So I'm assuming that you can pretty much just pick up any of them and read them. I only saw the one. I haven't looked for the others yet. But um, the only thing I'd suggest with Fort Freak is that you read the Wikipedia page first. Okay. They're assuming that you already understand the world because obviously there's several books, right? Yeah, so there's like 20 of them, I believe. Right. Uh, the cool thing about Wild Cards is that it's not a set character that you're following or characters. It's a town. Ah. So, so you really just need to know the history of the world you're in, and then you just jump into any character's story and you just go with it. And it's a lot of fun. And once I I understood what the hell I got myself into, <laughs> it. It was just awesome, and so I really, really recommend it. All right, I will definitely uh, do that. I mean, I just got my library card from my new my new town that I live in uh, the other day, and I will definitely look for them. Are they a collection? Or are they like short story collections? This one was actually it was uh, a collection of storylines that were written by a bunch of different people, and but each storyline fed into the other one. And so you'd have a chapter of this person and a chapter of this person and a chapter of this person, and each chapter was written by somebody different. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. And then they'd flip back and forth and weave in and out of each other, and some of them would end up in another story and then go back. And so they all fed into this big overall story 
that I mean, just had to be on edge. This is just a kind of a, a mystery, also the whole thing. And I, I'm really normally very good at figuring these things out, mm-hmm. and this one had to be totally stumped all the way to the end. And when I you find out the who done it, I was like, oh wow, I never saw that coming. So. <laughs> all right, I will uh, I will definitely uh, pick one up, and I'll probably pick up the one you did. Do you think if that would be a pretty good starter book if I can't find the very first one? Absolutely. Uh, basically, there's this like a uh, alien uh, virus that was that infected the Earth, and uh, I want to say it was like 10 percent of the population was affected by it, and uh, it turns them all, it gives them all different mutations, and some of them get really cool powers, and some of them get really lame powers, and uh, some of them it just outright kills. And it's about this uh, uh, town section of New York that they've turned into what they call Joker Town, where the vast majority of these people go to live as one big community, and it's mostly about this town. All right. I will definitely uh, pick that up. Yeah. Speaking of mutations. Hey, nice segue. There's a good segue. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In name only. (laughs) In name only, that's right. (laughs) They uh, released a, a poster. They did. And I've seen the poster, and the poster is really not that bad. I mean, first of all, the movie's going to suck because Michael Bay is involved. So let's yeah, just right. be right up front about that. Michael Bay is Michael Bay is to action films what Zack Snyder is to comic book films. I like uh, that analogy. That's good. It's just about blowing things up. The, the only difference, the thing that makes Michael Bay a little bit better is that there's some fun and joyfulness in Michael Bay's movies. That's very true. They are fun movies. You know, as you're blowing crap up, you're laughing. You know, so that's why, you know, Bayhem is actually a little bit easier for me to swallow. Uh, You know, it's it's a guilty pleasure. But sometimes you're laughing at the movie instead of with it, but you're still laughing. It is. I mean, there's times it's almost like a big budget Sharknado in a lot of ways. I mean, (laughs) it's uh, it's it's funny. It's dumb and funny. I mean, that's sort of Michael Bay in, in a nutshell. Um, so when we heard that Michael Bay was going to be doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, most of us were like, well, who cares? We've got, I'm going to come out and say, I'm an, I'm a Turtles fan, you know? Oh yeah, me too. I, I love the films, especially the first one. Uh, it was one of the first VHSs that I bought. Um, and I watched it probably way more than I should have. (laughs) Um, but the great thing about the Turtles is they've had a resurgence in the last several years. There's a Nickelodeon cartoon uh, with the Turtles that my daughter loves. She thinks it's great. And my my daughter is the ultimate princessy, girly, dr- you know, makeup, dress up, princess, Disney, you know, girl. But she loves Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She thinks it's funny. So I'm, you know, I, I had a connection with the, with the franchise when I was a kid. I now have a connection with it, too, through my kid. So I kind of like the franchise. That said, probably not going to see the movie. Yeah, the comic book is even doing well. And and not only is it doing well, but it is being done well. And uh, so there's that, too. I probably won't go see this movie. But I will have to say, when they, I first saw this poster, okay. it was posted on Twitter. And somebody actually retweeted someone else posting it, complaining about it. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like... I don't get it. What's the big deal? And then he tweeted again. He goes, "I just saw it. Oh my god!" For, for those of you who haven't seen then, it, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's it's a poster that has been used here in America to advertise it. It's being Michael Bay. It's got an explosion in the background. It looks like it's, the turtles are jumping out of a building that is on fire. That the windows have just exploded out, and the turtles are jumping down toward you, basically, with sort of the, the exploding fireball of the, the upper floors of the building above them. Not really, you know, a typical Michael Bay thing. Would you like to tell the audience what's written at the bottom of the poster on this particular foreign edition? This is not the American edition. This is a foreign edition of the newspaper. Would you like to tell them what's written at the very bottom? Absolutely, absolutely. So you've got the exploding top of the building and the the uh, windows blown out. And the turtles have obviously jumped off the building and are coming at you. And for those of you that don't know, the Ninja Turtles are based in New York City. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom is the release date for the movie, September 11th. 
Yeah. It's, I mean, there are worse things that could have been up there. Superman was here, perhaps. <laughs> would have been a good one. A film by Zack Snyder would have been another one, since it has exploding buildings. Written by David Goyer. Written by David Goyer. Um, yeah, this is a, a foreign edition of the poster. The the movie's come. The movie is coming out uh, in America. The movie's coming out on the eighth, but in some other country, it's coming out on the eleventh. And somebody just did not really put it together too well. That that might not be the best poster image for a movie coming out on September 11th. Maybe, maybe one of the, maybe, maybe an image of the turtles joking around with a half dressed Megan Fox might've worked better on that one. Uh, or maybe the turtles doing the, you know, uh, skiing down the side of the mountain that they showed in the trailer. An image from that might've been better, but no, they just sort of took the, one of the established posters and stuck that date on it. And apparently wasn't, weren't really thinking that much. Yeah, the, the really sad part about this is that I actually kind of like this poster. Obviously, it's very Bay, but at the same time, it deviates from what we're seeing a lot in action movie posters. And the, the I mean, you can kind of put them all side by side, and it's almost the same exact freaking poster. It is. It's just photoshopped images of people in shadow looking sideways at people with like explosions in the background. Right, right. All the lighting's the same and the color schemes and they, they tend to follow this pattern. And this one deviates from that. And so I think that's, I mean, for what it is, I think it's a pretty damn good poster. I agree. But then you tack on that September 11th and kills it. Yeah. And, you know, we, we I think it was definitely a mistake. But I, and I think it's a mistake that should have been caught by somebody at the studio. But here's the thing. I think we're starting to see more mistakes like this. Um, I remember a couple months ago there was, yeah, actually it was about a month, month and a half ago. It was right before July 4th. Um, there was an image that was put out by a company that sells fireworks and it was like celebrate the 4th of July. And it was an image of a big explosion up in the sky. Um, it turned out it was an, it was a Google images, something the, the person just grabbed an image off of Google Images of the Challenger exploding. Oh. And the company immediately took it down, and they said the image was grabbed by one of their IT people who just did a Google search for explosion, and the person wasn't even born when the Challenger explosion occurred. That happened in January of 1986. That's not an excuse, I don't think. There needs to be some sort of supervision above that. Somebody's like, right. um, where did you get this image? I mean, first of all, the idea of somebody just grabbing something off of Google Images for a business is yeah. a little iffy. I think there's copyright infringement going on there on some level. But when it comes to the tech-oriented side, side of things, and a lot of times visual design, visual graphics, that skews younger, you know, when it comes to the people who put these things together. And... You know, it's it's a cliche. I, you know, I'm a professional historian, so I like to say it. Young people don't know history. You know, they don't yeah. look to the past that much. And when I went to college, which was quite recently, I was going to college with people who didn't have much of a memory of September 11th because they were like seven years old, seven or eight years old. Which that made, makes people ancient. Exactly. Imagine how it made me feel because I'm even <laughs> older than you. And. So I think we're going to start having this happen more and more and more often as people who are a bit younger, who don't really have the historical connection. I, I remember even to go into sports. So, of course, you're going to be out of this conversation for a minute. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a um, in New York. The New York Knicks had a player at that time named Jeremy Lin. He was an Asian player. Very popular. He had a run for a couple of weeks where he set all sorts of records and just it, everything sort of exploded. And then he started having some bad games in a row, and Jeremy Lin is, now is no longer the player he was during that great streak he had coming off the bench. When he started to have a few bad games in a row, uh, some newspaper, I'm not sure which one it was, put his picture on there, and then the headline underneath the picture was, picture was a chink in the armor. Oh. Exactly. And people were like, oh, really? Come on. A chin, because the term chink has been used as a derogative term for Asian, for Asians. 
the defense of the newspaper was that the reporter who wrote that was like only 22 years old and did not know that the term chink was used as a derogative term because it's generally you have to be a little older to know that expression. Right. So that was one. These are the things that have been coming to my mind when I saw the turtles poster situation. I was sitting there going, we need to have somebody a little higher up to sort of, you know, rubber stamp a few of these images. We're just going to have more and more of these events where you've got younger people who really just don't know history. And that's not a criticism. I mean, they're really good at computers and things like that. History just oftentimes isn't very interesting to a lot of people. It's certainly not taught very well, uh, especially in public schools. So I'm sort of with you on this. I'm sitting there going, for what it is, it's a pretty good poster. But really somebody has to notice, somebody has to put two and two together and say, um, people falling out of an exploding building with the word September 11th on it might not be the image we want to put out there. Right. Moving on to our next topic. Um, I watched the trailer for this right before we started recording, and I'm still a little disturbed by this. <laughs> We're talking about um, uh, at Comic-Con. Comic-Con, you know, there's a lot of traditions to Comic-Con. Uh, one of the more recent traditions is that Kevin Smith usually closes Comic-Con with one of his evening with Kevin Smith um, Q&As. Uh, this year he didn't close Comic-Con. He had his Q&A on Saturday night instead of Sunday night because he was there not only to, well, promote himself, which is what Kevin Smith does better than just about anybody. Um, he was also there uh, to present the trailer for his new movie. Tusk. And so he was there Saturday night having to do with, I guess, when the distributor of the film sort of books their time. Uh, so the trailer had its world premiere, and I believe a few minutes after the trailer premiered at Comic-Con, the trailer was up on the website. So it is now available to be seen. Um, I know a little bit about this movie. It's sort of spun out of two things. It's spun out of a genuine news story in which somebody in London put an advertisement in a newspaper saying, uh, I will rent you a flat, rent-free. All you have to do is agree to dress like a walrus. That's all that was in the actual ad. Kevin Smith, on one of his podcasts, I believe it was Smodcast with Scott Mosier, read that because one of the recurring segments on that particular podcast is – them reading and talking about weird news stories. They got a hold of that news story and they spent an entire podcast coming up with what kind of a strange person would want them to do that and ended up creating an entire story out of this news segment. Now the news segment turned out to be false. It was put in by somebody who I think was doing like a, um, a social experiment to see if anybody would actually respond to it. It wasn't a legitimate thing. But Kevin Smith loved the idea of this sort of crazy person that they imagined who would do this, that he ended up actually writing an entire script based on the jokes and the, the stuff being tossed back and forth between him and Scott Mosier on the podcast. Now, I've read the script. Smith actually put his script out there for people to read. It's out there to write, read. It wasn't stolen. He actually made it available. So when I read the, saw the trailer, I sort of knew what was going on. So I'm curious. I'd like to know your – well, let me ask. Have you read the script? I have not. Okay. I'd like to have your – I'm curious about your reaction as somebody who knows pretty much nothing about this. Does the trailer sell the movie? Does it make you want what, – what's your response to it? Do you want to see it? That sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> I – Part of me really wants to see it just to see what the hell is going on and what actually happens. But part of me watches that and it's just – I mean that is so terrifying. It, obviously, I haven't read the script, so I don't know. But from the trailer, it looks like uh, this guy who does, runs a podcast about interesting people uh, is contacted by this guy who's got all these interesting stories from his – a life at sea, mm -hmm. and when he shows up to talk to the guy, the guy drugs him mm -hmm. and then starts to – I don't know, you kind of get the impression that he's uh, working on him surgically, mm. trying to turn him into a walrus. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty accurate. The, the trailer is actually nowhere near as weird as the movie gets. 
from the script. Uh, the script's very dark. It's actually really weird because it goes back and forth between being the typical Kevin Smith script with a lot of sex jokes and things like that. And then it cuts to this stuff that is terrifying and disturbing. It's interesting because Smith made a film called Red State. Have you seen Red State? I have it, but I wanted to. It's a good film, and it's very dark and very disturbing. And it has maybe about a five-minute opening, which is like a typical Kevin Smith film. And then after that, it turns into a horror – well, a thriller. Kind of a horror film, but more of a just a – you know, where you're biting your, your fingernails and just trying to – you know, just a thriller. The script for Tusk goes back and forth constantly between sort of the humor and the horror. That's really difficult to do. There's very yeah. few horror films that do comedy really well. We will be talking about one of those in a few few minutes, <laughs> actually. Um, but it's it's just it's going to be interesting to see the you know how it works. My reaction to the trailer was I didn't think it sold it very well. Really, I, I having read the script, there's a lot more. I would have went for a lot of other scenes to to sell it. Um, I was actually a little underwhelmed by the trailer. I thought, oh, it's okay. And I think part of it is I'm not really sure I buy the casting of the main character. Um, I believe it's um, Justin Long. Justin Long. Maybe I just can't stand his mustache. Uh, his mustache may be throwing me a little bit. Um, and also, and I'm certainly not one to talk here, but when did the Sixth Sense kid get kind of, you know, a little chubby? That is him. You're right. Yeah, he's he looked like he's gained a little bit of weight as he's gotten older. And I'm certainly not one to talk. But it took I, me a I second. assumed it was the role. I, I assumed that was the part. Uh, I was just sort of sitting there going, wow, that's interesting. Um, so maybe it was just I was a little thrown from everything. Maybe the movie will turn out as good as a script because the script – is genuinely disturbing and also has some truly laugh out loud moments. I'm curious to see if Smith can pull that off. I, I'm a Kevin Smith fan. I enjoy his films and I love the fact that he's going in this new direction uh, away from sort of the stoner comedies that he did right. past. I don't know. It's just that it's tough to do horror and comedy when it's serious you know, you can do horror comedy in the sense of like Scream or something like that where you're kind of mocking the genre. Or if you're doing it like a campy thing, like, well, sci-fi channel movies a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, but if you're doing genuine horror mixed with comedy, that's tough to do. I agree. Um, I, watching the trailer, uh, Justin Long made me want to laugh at him every time he's on the screen. It's that mustache. It is the mustache, but uh, and then the whole walrus thing with the mustache. But mm. I'm actually I'm actually a big Justin Long fan. I think he's really really funny and he's got great comedic timing, and he's got a lot of heart to him too. So he can pull off like romantic comedies and stuff. But so when I see him in this, I want to laugh. <laughs> he, he, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's just he he makes these shocked faces and I want to giggle at him. And then it turns to the other guy and I'm like. Holy crap, I am so scared right now. This reminds me a lot of Human Centipede. It's it's very similar to that. Um, yeah, it, there's there's definitely a similarity to it. It looks like Human Centipede went for the gore shock factor, and this is more of like a psychological thing. Yeah, that's actually a really good uh, description because there's a lot of surgical stuff in the script, but even – in the way that it's described in the script, it's not going for the gore. It's going for the disturbing more than anything else. Yeah, the fact they weren't showing me certain things in the trailer is what really, really got me. I mean, you can tell there's something wrong with his legs. He's doing something to his legs, but it won't fucking show you his legs. <laughs> hey, they want you to pay 10 bucks to show you what's going on with the legs. <laughs> I mean... Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I definitely want to see it. I don't know that I'll be able to sleep that night, but it makes me want to see it. So, there's that. The one other interesting thing is having read the script, there's a lot of inside jokes for anybody who follows his various podcasts. Um, really? Podcast, 
uh, Hollywood Babylon, Batman on Batman. Um, there's a, a lot of inside jokes, a lot of inside jokes. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how that's going to work because a lot of you, you want to talk about aiming for the most niche audience you can possibly imagine. These are jokes <laughs> aimed at maybe 15,000 people around the world. <laughs> so speaking of horror and comedy. Films that do it right. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Evil Dead will become a television series. I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. I love Evil Dead. I love Sam Raimi. Um, I even enjoy his Spider-Man movies, which is saying something because I can't stand Spider-Man. <laughs> um, but he's just a great director. Um, one of the first movies I saw that I really fell in love with was Army of Darkness, which is the third Evil Dead movie. And then I went back and watched the previous two. Evil Dead is very good. Evil Dead 2 may be one of the ten greatest films ever made, in my opinion. It's just a spectacular, spectacular film. Uh, I love Bruce Campbell. I mean, who doesn't love Bruce Campbell? I've watched him right. in Bubba Hotep and Briscoe County Jr. Oh, I loved Briscoe County Jr. I know it's a great show. Great show. Didn't get it. Didn't get the opportunity it should have had. Should have lasted more than one season. And he's just a great actor in the sense of being a wonderful ham, sort of the, in the William Shatner mode. Of actor. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. I was going to say, I have to disagree with you. I don't think he's a good actor at all because I don't think he acts. <laughs> he plays every role. <laughs> right, every role he walks into, he's Bruce Campbell. And I say that because I've got to meet Bruce Campbell. How? Really? Tell me about him. Is he, is he, he as nice as he seems in person? He is exactly like he is in everything he has. I mean, he's that. He's not rude, but he's he comes off very like full of himself, but in this very funny way so he doesn't come off as a jerk, you know? And, I mean, just like in his movies, I mean, <laughs> he just... Uh, he's just got this attitude about him. But but you love it, and so it works. And um, I remember <laughs> he was on stage, doing his Q&A, and somebody asked him if he could remember the words from Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And he said – everybody laughed and it got real quiet. He goes, I couldn't remember him then. What makes you think I remember him now? <laughs> <laughs> and he was always just really quick and just uh, – I mean he's just walking one-liners over and over and over again. And so he was actually really great and a lot of fun to be around. But um, this is where I lose a little bit of geek cred. Really? I've seen Army – yeah, yeah. I've seen Army of Darkness. I love Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies. I've never seen the, either one of the Evil Deads. Oh, you should do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor and watch them both and try to watch them both on the same night. Yeah. Because essentially, Evil Dead was basically a student film that Sam Raimi made. Extremely low budget. Something like $10,000. And it was successful on the film you know, film festival circuit and the, the, the drive-in theaters back when they had drive-in theaters. And what ended up happening, my understanding of it anyway, is that then an actual horror studio, a student, you know, a small studio that specialized in horror films and direct to VHS films came to him and said, yeah, we liked your movie, but we'd like you to make a real version of it. <laughs> and they gave him a bit more money, something like a quarter of a million dollars. And what he did was he remade the film but he did it the way he would have wanted to do it. And he did it in a very interesting way. It's not like he completely remade it. It He references the first film, but the story is the exact same story. It's like the exact same thing is happening, but to a different group of people, a different group huh. of actors, a different group of people. Uh, it's happening in the same cabin where the first one happened. But the difference is the first film and the reason you really should watch these back to back is even though it's essentially the same story, the first, the second film, Evil Dead 2, has the same feel that Army of Darkness has, sort of a horror comedy. Evil Dead, there's not a laugh in that entire movie. Really? It is a flat out horror movie. And so to see, watch them back to back, you're watching the same film, but done it's literally a reimagining. That term's tossed around way too much, but it's literally a reimagining. It's the same story, just one is a straightforward horror film, and the other is a horror comedy. Have you seen the new Evil Dead? I have not. I was going to ask you if you had. I just 
an Evil Dead that Sam Raimi didn't direct or that Bruce Campbell isn't in or isn't starring in, I just didn't. I mean, I'll watch it eventually. It'll show up on cable or something. But I just don't feel the need to rush out for something like that. Did, did you have you seen it? I haven't. Uh, mostly because all of the previews I saw had like some creepy bitch in it, and I can't do that. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'd pull up a website, and one of those ads would come up and start rolling, and some creepy bitch would look at me, and I'd just like throw my computer. And... I bet you can't watch <laughs> Japanese horror films, can you? Oh my god, The Grudge and The Ring, even the American versions? Oh no, 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 no. Do you think this would do well as a TV series? That depends. The, the the new story, by the way, since we sort of jumped right, jumped the gun, is that <laughs> Screen Gems and Sam Raimi and his brother uh, and Bruce Campbell have been working on an Evil Dead television series. It's sort of been in the works. Bruce Campbell, after the panel discussing it, then tweeted that somebody asked somebody sent him a tweet saying, "Yeah, you know, we love the idea of an Evil Dead TV series, but we want Bruce Campbell to be in it." And he tweeted back, that's the plan. So it would seem to make you believe that Bruce Campbell is going to be starring in the TV series, presumably as Ash. So we may be having a Evil Dead TV series starring, you know, Bruce Campbell as Ash. I, yeah, I think it can work. I mean, I think with our, if, if Army of Darkness hadn't been made, I might be a little iffy in the sense of, well, how could you do that? But Army of Darkness showed that you can take that character and put him in a completely different place and tell a really good story. There's so much of the occult, the Book of the Dead, all these things tied in here. They could very easily come up with a, a time travel series, a dimensional travel series, uh, him just on the highway going after occult artifacts around the world or around the country. Um they can take that anywhere. And as long as you have it being produced by the people who produced the original films, and not in a way like the Evil Dead remake was, where you can tell it was just Sam Raimi just getting a check and letting other right. people tell the story. Um, but if they're like actually involved, and then and I think with Bruce Campbell being in the show, his involvement is going to be very heavy. I mean, obviously acting, but Bruce Campbell is also a writer as well. And he helped work on those films. Um, with he's involved in it, that means his sensibility is going to be there as well. That gives me a lot of hope. I think they can go in places with this. You know, send Ash on the road looking for occult items. Send Ash to different times. Send Ash to different dimensions. Um, it doesn't have to just be, you know, a demon in a cabin like the first two films were. I'll watch it. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll watch anything with Bruce Campbell. I've watched some crappy cool. sci-fi channel movies that he's been in. Oh, <laughs> uh, what was uh, Jack of All Trades? Did you watch that? Oh gosh, I love Jack of All Trades. Oh, I, that was hilarious. That was a good show. I haven't thought about that in a long time. I Actually, about that in years. Uh, it came on the same time as uh, Cleopatra 2020. Mm -hmm. It was like a back-to-back -back deal, if I remember correctly. Was it was it back-to-back -back or every other week? I think it was back-to-back. -back. I, I kick myself now. I didn't actually watch more than a couple of episodes of Cleopatra 2020, but one of the main actresses in that went on to be in Firefly. Really? I, I never really watched any episodes of that um, because I was more interested in the um, the Jack of All Trades show because it was Bruce. It was basically Bruce Campbell and Zorro sort of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and just hilarious, wonderful, wonderful show. Very Xena esque as well. It was from the same production company, which is Sam Raimi, of course. You know, people forget he produced his production company produced uh, Hercules and Xena. Um, and so it's that same production company. It's got that same feel of Xena and Hercules. Just great, great little show. Another one that I think only lasted one year. I think. Which of course means that Evil Dead the TV series will last only one year. Okay, and that brings me to one other thing. If this is a TV series, should this be on cable? It better be on like an HBO kind of thing. It better be like – I mean I, I just don't think it could work on like primetime television. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think that – I think everybody send, tends to believe Army of Darkness is the high point for 
that series. Though there are a lot of people who think Evil Dead 2 is. Uh, but I think Army of Darkness is the high point. I'm looking back on Army of Darkness. Is there anything in there that couldn't be done on network television? Especially in network mean, television when we have Constantine coming out? That's a good, good point. Because I'm sitting there thinking it was never about, like about – Yeah, it was never about boob, bare boobs or swear words. You know, so, you know, you, you sit there and say, well, you couldn't do Game of Thrones on network television because there's a lot of sex in that. You know, there was never a lot of sex or any that I can think of in uh, in the Evil Dead series. Um, certainly there's a lot of graphic gore, but come on from, like you said, Dracula. I mean, there's a couple of scenes in Dracula where I sat there and was like, holy crap, did they just do that on NBC? Right. So th- I think you may have to tone down the language a little bit, maybe. I mean, I, I've only seen Army of Darkness, which, saying that, I've, I've only seen Army of Darkness, but it seems to me that's the more quotable movie. Oh, yeah. Whether it's the best one, I think that's the more quotable movie. But you may have to tone down the language just a little bit. I mean, uh, I mean not, not like a lot, but just um, less less of it, You know, not quite so frequently. I mean um, – I think it could work, but I'm going to go with you. I think it should be on cable because I think cable tends to give shows a bit more of a chance. Networks also will cancel. have a higher budget as well. Yeah, and networks will cancel you after two episodes if you don't have good ratings. Cable right. will at least give you a full season. So that's that's probably the reason I'm leaning more toward cable. You've got a better chance of the show lasting. Briscoe County Jr. had been on cable. That show would, you know, had five or six year run. Absolutely. All right, so I think that's it for this week. The kick-ass music at the beginning and end of the podcast is Big Damn Heroes, and you can find out more about them at facebook.com slash bigdamnheroespan. And you can always hit us up at facebook.com slash geekinpodcast, and feel free to follow us at twitter.com slash geekinpodcast. And, of course, the address for the blog is geekinpodcast.blogspot.com. We'll be seeing you soon. Slowly it is told that you can die a hundred ways.